and let's record now. Big red button. Oh, <laughs> right. Hello, uh, welcome to Local and Vocal, a Green Bay Area podcast. On the show, we'll be talking with the city of Clerk, Celestine Jeffries, about her job with the city elections and poll workers. Like many municipalities, the COVID-19 pandemic left many local governments scrambling to find and hire poll workers to run their elections. Celestine, thank you for joining us today on Local and Vocal. Thank you for having me, Terry. Now, this is my second show, so uh, what do you think of the dig so far? I think it's awesome. I love the mid-century modern vibe and the little groove from the 60s. (laughs) Uh, We were talking a little bit ago, but I bought the uh, table from Habitat for Humanity and uh, trying to put acoustics on the wall and the... The lamp there I did buy from Target. It's my favorite uh, place know, to shop. I, what's not, nothing to complain about with Target. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about yourself because you have definitely been involved with the community a lot. So yeah. tell me a little bit about uh, you know everything about Celestine. Sure. Well, not quite everything. <laughs> but so uh, we moved here in 2000 um, with our family and got here and hit the ground running, started volunteering, uh, volunteered with NeighborWorks for quite some time. Then started a neighborhood association with a friend of mine in uh, Fort Howard, where we still live. And uh, then hit, volunteered for some more boards. And uh, in 2006, I ran for city council and won, which is great. Um, then I ran for, again in 2008, uh, decided to try something a little different and ran for school board in 2010. Um, so I won that in 2010 and 2013. Then in 2016, I did not win my race. Um, but I was uh, blessed to have Mayor Schmidt ask me to be his chief of staff, um, which was uh, really enjoyable. And then again, I was blessed in 2019, uh, Mayor Genrick asked me to stay on as a chief of staff. Um, and then, of course, we'll talk about the pandemic. And so um, d- did that basically for a year, a little less than a year, and then the pandemic hit. Um, and then in 2021, in January, the clerk's position became available, and I decided to apply for it, and here I am. Very nice. Now, uh, the clerk's office is located on the first floor of City Hall. Uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, clerk's role in city government, because it's, it's a lot of, lot of stuff. Yes, it's a lot. Um, so clerk is really very behind the scenes, um, both up front and behind. So up front in the city of Green Bay with elections. Um, and also with licenses. So the, the licenses that we issue that I think most people are familiar with are liquor licenses, bartender licenses or operator licenses, and then dog and cat licenses. So if you don't have a dog or cat license, get in touch because you're supposed to have one. Um, and then behind the scenes, because a lot of what we do is uh, records management. Um, we, also, we also take some invoices and we do some balancing of accounts. So in in Green Bay, because we have a professional law department, professional finance department, DPW, um, I don't have to serve those roles. But for clerks, hardworking, hardworking clerks all over the state of Wisconsin, the United States, um, these are mostly women, um, men as well, who do it all for some of these towns and villages. Wow. They, they write contracts. They manage the expenditure restraint worksheet which is no joke to figure out. Um, They also do elections. They also do records management. So uh, clerks, in many ways, they they can really do it all. They can, their roles can be a little more circumscribed like mine, 
which is, as I said, elections licenses and records management, and is some invoices as well. Cool. So, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. So we have uh, five people, including myself, working in the office, um, a deputy clerk and an administrative clerk too, and then two administrative clerks. And uh, we all work really hard. We work really well together. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been really interesting these last two years as I'm cruising into my third year. A lot to learn. I have a lot to look forward to in terms of uh, making things a little more seamless for residents, especially in terms of getting some of the licenses that we have. I'm really looking forward to having some online payments. <laughs> I'm hoping um, it's that's that's a little that ends up being more complicated than um, you know just turning on a, a switch like Amazon does. So, uh, but yeah, it's been really great. I, I love making things easy for people and, and seamless and clear and calm. So, yeah. Well, one of the big things that the clerk's office does that I'm actually involved with myself as a yes, thank you. chief election inspector yes. is administering elections. So tell us a little bit about, you know, overall what that process is. Um, and we'll get into some details, but, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of different aspects of elections that go into things. So tell me a little bit about it. Sure. So elections are very technical. Um, all elections are run by state law. So it, in Wisconsin, we follow the state law as everybody, because that makes it fair for everyone so that one town isn't doing their own election law and another town is doing their own thing. Um, so elections are kind of like, as the deputy clerk Fugi says, uh, like a wedding. So you come to the wedding on the wedding day, which is election day, in this analogy, and everything is prepared. However, it's been months in the making, and it'll be a month or two after to get everything sorted. So likewise, for an election, it's a month of preparation. Even for a local election, for a federal election, it's a month, it's two months of preparation before the election. And then, um, especially for a federal election, it's definitely two months of reconciliation, cleaning up, um, making sure that everything aligns uh, after the election. And for a local election, it's about three weeks to four weeks. So uh, what you see is just the tip of the iceberg. And then what's going on behind the scenes is quite a lot, quite a lot in terms of making sure that everything is, like I said, counting, alphabetized, aligned, make sure that one thing that, like today I had to actually deactivate a ballot because something happened with it and reactivate it. So, and, and basically issue another one and activate that ballot. So just keeping track of all of that. Right now we have 4,300 um, absentee requests. So that's 4,300 pieces of information to keep track of. Wow. Yeah. Now, poll workers or election inspectors? Yes. <laughs> it gets, uh, you know, in stories you hear different, even yourself, you say poll workers. I but do. The official title is, is election, inspectors. election and, inspectors. And thank you, Terry, for being a chief election inspector. We You're appreciate welcome. that. Um, so the state law says it's election inspector. But everyone calls, I mean, I also like to use a language that residents use and that poll workers themselves use. So we always, we always say poll workers, even though the technical word is election inspector. And, you know, what you had said about COVID um, – is really apt. COVID still is a, uh, an interruption, a disruption in our society. And um, for the state of Wisconsin, it came right at the time of an April election. Uh, so that really threw a lot of monkey wrench into 
poll workers even feeling comfortable serving at that time. People coming to the polls feeling comfortable because nobody knew back in 2020 what this virus is all about. So, yeah. Well, what have been the challenges that you, that the city has overcome and I'm assuming lots of other local municipalities have had to deal with, but you know, how's the city of Green Bay tackled, uh, you know, bringing in a new workforce, you know, because we're talking about hundreds of people that are working. Hundreds. Yes. So for the federal election, we had 400 some odd poll workers, 447. And for this uh, spring primary, we'll have um, like 280 poll workers. So the challenge has been, as I said, just helping poll workers to feel safe doing the job that many of them love to do. And that is being in close contact with people. I mean, people have to come up to the, to, and talk to you and speak out loud. Um, and some polling locations have big open rooms like the botanical gardens. Some polling locations are very small rooms, which we are very thankful for, especially our, um, our religious partners who provide, uh, part of their facilities for us to have polling locations in, but some of those facilities are a little smaller. So one challenge for back, especially in 2020, in the beginning, and even 2021, was making sure the poll workers felt comfortable. So that meant PPE, that meant cough guards, that meant cleaning, that meant new pens. So all of that, that was a challenge. Then, um, again, just helping um, the voters feel comfortable as well. Same concerns. I'm coming in a big space, a small space. I don't have COVID. This person may have COVID. What do I wear? Am I supposed to wear a mask? Is this pen clean? Especially in the beginning. So all those challenges really made people, as as with many aspects of our society as a result of COVID, made people concerned. So we definitely suffered. Um, we had a lot of poll workers in uh, November 2020. Um kind of went backward a little bit in 2021. The The vaccine was not yet widely distributed in for those two elections in 2021 when I mm-hmm. first started. Then moving to um, the spring elections in 2022, um, our poll worker, we were still a little short poll workers. Moving into... Um, August and November, those federal elections in 2022, I would say we had a very good bevy of poll workers. I was really pleased with the number of poll workers we had, with the the people we had, you know, um, coaxed from the community to come join us. So uh, I'm actually really, right now, <laughs> knocking on wood, um, I'm very pleased with the number of poll workers we have and the, the, the quality of the poll workers we have. So I think we're in a good position here in Green Bay. I will never say we have enough poll workers. <laughs> I'll always say, please come and say you want to be a poll worker and we will be happy to train you um, and get you signed up. But uh, right now we're good. And it is a paid position. I raised the fee. A lot of people that I've spoken with didn't know Oh, it's a paid position. Oh, yeah. And it has seen increases in pay in the last oh, yeah. couple of years. Folks need to be paid. <laughs> so it's a long day. It is. It can be, yeah. Yes. So it was 144 a poll worker slash election inspector. Now it's 225. Um, it was 175 for a chief inspector. Um, and now it's 340. 
So, and that, those fees have been approved for 2023. So that's so. something that needs, that potentially could change. I mean, it's just, I mean, I mean, I guess it's part of the budget. It process. is part of the budget. Yes, that's right. That's right. Now, uh, about how many people do you usually have working at a polling location and what's the goal there? Right. That's an excellent question. Um, well, for the uh, spring election, we're, we're aiming for five. That includes the chief inspector. For a federal election, we aim for seven because there's just that many more people. Oh, yeah. um, and for especially for a presidential, we're looking more at like eight or nine. And we still have those split wards. So the split wards were a result of the legislator doing legislation. Sorry, legislate, legislature. Legislature, it's been a long day. The body in Madison, the assembly, um, they did their redistricting after we did ours here in the city of Green Bay, Brown County. So as a result, we have some split wards. We have, um, I think, eight of them and 10. And uh, so because of that, it's a little extra work. Uh, and I we put extra people in the polling location in November for that, and that's going to happen again next November in 24. Now, uh one of the things that I try to do, well, I've been serving now as, uh, you know, first as an election inspector in February of 2021, or 22, excuse me, February 2022. And then I immediately became a chief election inspector for that April local election. Um, but, you know, I acclimated to the role, I think, fairly well, picked up all the knowledge and trainings and stuff like that. And what does that training process look like? For somebody who wants to uh, to work at the polls? Yes, that's an excellent question. Um, one of the things that anyone who wants to be a poll worker needs to know is that you have other people who are just as invested in civic responsibility and their civic duty as you are. And um, you're all there working together. There's a lot of paperwork. So an election inspector has a certain role on election day. So there's uh, the first role that, that most people will see when they walk into the polls is the greeter. So, hi, how are you? Um, are you here to vote today? Are you, are you sure you're in the right location? Especially after we redistricted with the census, making sure everyone's oh, yeah. in the oh, right yeah. place. Um, can I, are you registered to vote? So that's what the greeter does. Then there's someone... And usually, depending on the election, it's the same person who will register someone because in the state of Wisconsin, we have the ability to register and vote on the same day. Which is yeah, quite unique. Major. major. <laughs> Across the state or uh, nation. Here. Nation. It is major. Yes, it is. Um, so we have someone in the polling location, a poll worker, who will register people to vote. Another duty on election day, and this is the one that's really huge, is there's two people who are working the poll book. So the poll book is kind of as it sounds. The list of people, their names and addresses and spaces for them to sign um, that go along with that ward or that polling, well, that polling location, but that specific ward. So there are two people working the poll books. Those are the people who also receive the voter ID because everyone has to present a picture ID of a certain type if you don't know what type, get in touch. We'll let we'll give you a, 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 an infographic, um, but it's essentially a driver's license, a passport, um, 
also tribal ID, veterans ID. Those are essentially, there's a couple more, but those are essentially the photo IDs. So those poll book people actually look at those photo IDs. Then the person signs the poll book. The poll book people also give them a ballot, initial the ballot, and then give them a voter number and check off a voter number. Lots of redundancy. There's a lot of redundancy in elections. I don't think people will see that, again, because they're the guests at the wedding. They're not seeing all the behind the scenes. Well, that's that election integrity right there. It, it is. It absolutely is. And it's not only happening at the polling location on election day, it's happening behind the scenes in my office um, and through the state database as well. So that's another job on election day for a poll worker. And then for a, the last job is the tabulator. And that's the person who um, makes sure that everyone who votes a ballot on election day puts their ballot in the machine, collects the number, and just is keeping an eye on, again, how many ballots did we issue? How many voter numbers did we issue? Do we have, oh, we've issued 65 voter numbers. There should be 65 ballots in the machine. So, and then the chief inspector is coordinating all this all day to make sure all these things flow um, smoothly and that there's no hiccups. And if there's any issues like, you know, there's someone who needs a provisional vote, there's a homeless voter, there's someone who doesn't have the proper ID, someone who doesn't have the proper proof of residency in order to register to vote, um, then the chief inspector handles those issues. So I dealt with a lot of curbside voting in the last election. Curbside voting. That's, you know, that was another thing that happened in, um, during the initial phase of COVID-19 that, you know, curbside voting is really important for our um, neighbors who have different abilities. Uh, and a lot of people took the curbside voting as a means to not go inside the polling location, mm, to not, I did not know this. be infected by COVID. So it ended up being, I mean, again, it ended up being important for those people, but then somewhat problematic in terms of the flow of election day though, yeah. in April of 2020. So, um, and yeah, curbside voting. Yes. That's a great thing where someone can actually come up, call a number, which comes to the clerk's office and we will contact the chief inspector to say, Hey, there's someone out in their car who needs you as a chief inspector and another poll worker to come and essentially effectuate a vote without that voter having to walk inside the polling location. It's, it's a thing of beauty. As an election chief election inspector myself, um, as we are talking about administering and making sure everyone's doing their job right and people are coming in and out in the flow of traffic, you know, at my polling location, one of the things that I also try to really push for is having fun. Yes. I think being able to meet people in the community that are my neighbors or being able to have conversations with my new friends that, you know, that you get to make while doing this process. Um, I mean, I don't know about anybody else's polling location, but we have fun at our, at our locations, you know, we get to know each other and uh, it's a great experience. I mean, just being part of that process, you know, I've run for office myself. So having somebody say that they're going to vote for you, you know, it's profound. It is, you know, you've had that experience as I well, have, yeah. but then also being on the other side of that, and helping to administer an election and being part of that civic process, I was just the very first time I was like, I'm hooked. Like, this is, this is me, you know, I want to keep doing this for quite a while, you know? So awesome. Um, one of the things that, you know, I work a full-time job mm -hmm. 
So while this is a paid position, but I also needed to ask, you know, can I get time off of work to go do this? Um, yes. So, and I, there was a little confusion, but by state law, are you, are employers required to give people time off to work the polls? So um, not only that, but also to vote. Um, yes. But of course, everyone's employment situation is different. Uh, so it would be uh, impolitic of me to comp- to comment any further. But yeah, state law says that this is this is something that the employer needs to pay attention to. So, what are some other common like misconceptions that people have, or something that you want to set straight regarding poll workers and the role that they do, or things that you hear hearsay here and there? Can you think of anything? Hmm. I'm sure you've heard a lot of things and accusations over the years here, but. You know, I think what you said is really important about people having fun. And um, as the new clerk, I try my best to, on election day, to just pop into one or two polling locations if I can. Just see how things are going. Just to get, like you said, catch that vibe to see if people are having fun. Um, Terry, part of that fun is my responsibility to make sure that I try to keep good teams together one election to another. So that's, that is a scheduling challenge for us in the office um, because I think it's important to keep good teams together and for people to have fun. And so I think one of the misconceptions that I had heard before, long before I became the clerk is that poll workers are crabby. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> so, you know, I, um, I never had that experience, to be honest with you. I always found the poll workers, uh, when I, I, I now vote absentee, so by mail. Um, so my experience had always, you know, the people were very diligent and very methodical and took as much time it was, as it was necessary in order for me to properly effectuate my vote. So I, I never found the poll workers to be crappy. <laughs> Um, it is a long day, so, you know, um, but I think I, I find especially the chief inspectors to be creative and hardworking and generous. Well, thank you. Well, you're welcome. So, you know, I think that that's one of the things. I also think that there's a conception that, um, you know, maybe there's a little ageism there with the poll workers between the voters and the poll workers. And, um, which would be unfortunate if people were being ageist about poll workers because uh, many of our poll workers are really excellent and I don't pay attention to their age at all. Um, we do have some poll workers who are uh, younger and some poll workers who are retired and this is all part of the, we are, we are the community. Poll workers, as well as your clerk staff, we are part of the community. We are you. So um, I think it's important for people coming to the polls to be patient and then also to have a little, themselves, voters, have a little fun. We have fun stickers too, by the way. I keep talking about stickers. Local designs? Yeah, Love local it. designs. <laughs> that's right. So uh, come and have fun at the polls. Um, and the poll workers are mostly having fun as well. So 
somebody's interested, how does that process begin? Well, there's an interest form on the website. I'm always pushing people to our website, greenbaywi.gov. And you just go to the clerk's page and it's under elections and there's a section for poll workers. And so there's an interest page there. We also have poll worker positions for central count. So um, central count is where we count the absentee ballots, essentially. Um, If you're interested, sign up. Uh, The training, which is what you'd mentioned before, it's uh, three hours of training for a poll worker or election inspector per term. And the term is six elections or two years. Then um, for the chief inspectors, it's six hours. So um, and we're going to have a great curriculum moving into 2024-25. Um, the administrative clerk and I, Stacy Menke, she's our poll worker coordinator. She and I are going to create, she's a, she's a former teacher, so she and yeah, I are nice. going to create, uh, I know, yeah, we're very excited. We're nerding out about this, actually. To be honest with you. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> so... Um, to help people feel that, they, uh, that they're solid, that they're secure as poll workers, that we want you to feel trained and ready. Um, I have recreated a lot of the materials, so I'm trying to make Election Day less stressful. You take out a box, everything's in that box for that station. There are cheat sheets for all of the duties. Um, and so you come in and you feel a little less stressful, and you can, as you're saying, have fun with this wonderful thing that we have called voting. Now, uh, one of the things that I learned over the last year as well is that uh, that a lot of people actually, are, it's crazy that they don't know this, or not crazy, but it's crazy that this actually is a thing. But we actually have partisan and nonpartisan election inspectors. Explain that to me. Yes. So um, they are either affiliated or unaffiliated. Gotcha. So affiliated poll workers, and most of our poll workers are unaffiliated. An affiliated poll worker is one that has been recommended by one of the two major parties. So um, as of now, because the Constitution Party is not major, they don't have an opportunity to do that. But it's the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. Um, and for us, it shakes out to Democratic Party of Brown County, Republican Party of Brown County. So both of those entities can submit by November 30th of the um, even year, sorry, November 30th of the odd year preceding the next term, um, a list of election inspectors that they would like to say, hey, these are Democrats or these are Republicans, please get in touch with them and get them started as um, poll workers. So that's really a, the list is, not the final step. So the affiliated poll workers begins with that list, but it ends with the training and the oath. And so, and also the um, desire for that person to remain an affiliated poll worker. Some people who are nominated by the parties don't want to be. So then we act accordingly. Um, But most of our poll workers are unaffiliated. Now, how does that shake out? So every November there, I have to do a party balance at the polling locations which party won that polling location. So that's the balance I have to strike with the poll workers. So let's say polling location at um, Trinity Lutheran uh, went, and I, I don't know, I can't remember off the top of my head, but let's say that that polling location went for the Democrats in the last November election. That means if there are more Democrats there, 
um, there there can't be more Republicans than Democrats. There can be more unaffiliated than anything. So it gets a little complicated, but that's what that affiliated and unaffiliated is. Polling locations. Yes, let's talk about it. How do you determine that? How many do we have currently right now? They're subject to change. People move around. Redistricting, I'm sure, was just a hectic time for the city, the clerk's office. But uh, talk about that. Well, again, I just want to start out by saying how lucky we are in Green Bay where we have willing community partners of many, many types, um, from religious uh, institutions to even one of our school district buildings um, to our local university uh, who are willing to lend their spaces for not much money um, to be a polling location. So every 10 years, we have to redistrict. So that means we have to sort people according to where they live. We grew in population by 3,000, so we need to do a little bit of redistricting. Um, that changed the polling locations a little bit, but not not a ton. So lots of people were upset um, in a few areas, few key areas. One was uh, close to the river. One was out sort of the near east side. Another one was the far west side um, because people had gotten used to sort of walking across the street to go to their polling location, but then as a result of redistricting um, and sorting a little bit, they actually had to go a little bit further. So choosing a polling location for me is, again, about how many people are voting in this ward. Does this polling location, um, can it accommodate that number of people? So like where you are, that's those are high turnout wards, so I need a big space. Um, the other issue, how far is it? from where the person lives. It can't be two miles, really shouldn't be a mile and a half. Half a mile is pretty good. Two blocks would be great, but of course, if it's two blocks for someone, it's probably half a mile for someone else. <laughs> um, so those are all the things that go into a polling location. I love using our own buildings, the city's own buildings, because then I just have more control over them. Um, it's just easier. Uh, and some of those spaces are big, some of them aren't. The water utility is a really nice space. <laughs> Thank you, Nancy. It is Nancy Quirk, the, the utility manager. It is a beautiful space. It, so if I could have 50 water utility buildings, I would take them all. Um, so um, so it is it is a bit of a struggle, and some people, they really do get used to going to their polling location. They know where they're going, and I get it, because voting is a habit. Yeah. When you vote, how you vote, sometimes for whom you vote, um, it's a habit. And I get that people want to not have to put all that cognitive dissonance in their life about, where am I going to vote? I'm just going to go there and do my thing, mm -hmm. do my civic duty. So I, I, I appreciate that. Um, but we only have 27 polling locations and we have uh, 100, well, we have probably 78,000 eligible voters in the city of Green Bay, um, 50 some odd thousand registered voters. It changes all the time. Somewhere between 48 and 56,000 is sort of the range of registered voters. So um, I'm working, I'm listening 
if you, I, I, I got a phone call from a, a nice resident who was like, oh, I don't like my polling location. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to change it for 23, but keep calling me because <laughs> I'm listening and I'll see what I can do for 24. Um, I do love polling locations like where you are, where there are multiple wards because then you have multiple chief inspectors and greeters and tabulators working together and it makes it, it just makes it work a little bit. Just the flow is just better. Mm -hmm. Um, But then again, some people like that intimacy as a voter to come in and there's only their own ward. They see the same people they've seen for the last 10 years and they like that intimacy. So I think I'm, it's trying to, I'm trying to meet many, many different, um, styles and desires all at the same time so do you actively look for a location or you uh you know need somebody to come forward or, or something like that or how oh, no i actively look for locations okay um i am actually looking for locations because uh for 24 i said we're good for 23 but i um <laughs> i drive around town sometimes and i'm like hmm, that would make a great polling location let me get that phone number um, because here's, here's the issue, right? Right now we're good. We're, we're settled, but I think we may be losing a polling location on the far East side. Mm. And the East side has about 10,000 more people than the West side. I need another one or two polling locations on the East side. What I don't want to do is have to shuffle everything on the East side. Cause that's a nightmare. I, I don't want to do that to voters. I want like, yeah, I want it to be predictable. I want it to be not something they have to think about. Yep. I'm going here to, you know, union congregational. That's when I'm going to vote. So, um, yeah, I like, I'm always looking for poll workers. <laughs> I'm always looking for polling locations. Anything else you'd like to add that maybe we didn't touch base on or. I think that voters should know that elections have really progressed in terms of technicality, in terms of, as I said before, redundancy, in terms of record keeping and data management, um, even in the last 20 years. So it isn't a simple thing to just put your ballot in and it's counted and there's nothing more to do. There's so much more to make sure that that vote that went in that machine is the vote that can be tied to a human being who actually cast it, who actually filled it out, who actually signed for it, who showed in the state of Wisconsin, who showed their photo ID. There's a lot of checks, a lot of barriers in many ways, people would say barriers from that person coming in and saying, I want to vote to the vote being cast and counted. Um, and it's complicated. It's come more complicated than you think. So, um, at the same time, forward-facing for a voter, my goal is to make your experience at a polling location calm, secure, welcoming, predictable. Um, and if it's not that way, let me know, because I want to change that for voters in Green Bay. Well, thank you for joining us, Celestine. You're welcome. Thank it you for having me. absolutely a pleasure having you here. Good to be here. Well, that's our show. Please help... Uh, Get the word out about Local and Vocal, a Green Bay Area podcast. I want to be able to provide something to the community that will help explore local news and topics that come up. We're also going to have some great discussions, take a deeper dive into issues, and get to know interesting people that live and work in our community. Now, if you have a story to share or an idea for the show, please email us, localandvocalgreenbay at gmail.com. 
Make sure you follow or subscribe to Local and Vocal wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and many more. Our music is from the local band, The Dirty Martinis. Thank you to our producer, Lauren Prince. My name is Terry Lee, and this is Local and Vocal, a Green Bay Area podcast.